0: What's up? This is Brandon London and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go Giants.
1: Good evening and welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast in association with Andy's Man Club. It's okay to talk, lads. Apologies for being slightly late. Uh, There is a little bit of news breaking at the moment. We'll bring you that shortly. Uh, This evening, we are 75% British, 25% Irish, but as always, absolutely still 100% Giants. It's a full house as well this evening. Fantastic. Uh, As we look back on Sunday night football against the Bills in what was a game that not really anyone expected. with the Giants being the biggest underdog in the league so far this season. I think they were a 15-point underdog as kickoff off came. Um, but it came down to the very last play. Uh, one which we will no doubt be talking about over the course of the next 45 minutes or so. Um, obviously, one and five lads could have... should have been two and four. How are we doing?
2: Yeah, not too bad. I uh, can't remember last time it was all four of us. I don't know if that's just my, my age getting worse <laughs> all my memory um but yeah it's, it's good to have all four of us back on um a couple of weeks later as well because I was getting a hot drink so I offer my apologies to that as well so I'll, you guys are all so good too
0: yeah it's good to be back on I'm so glad um I saw all my comments down there saying four of us on as a privilege yes it is we've got four awesome dudes on We're going to talk some Giants football um as Dan alluded to is a game that we might have won should have won could have won I mean uh, we'll get into the details of that, but uh, it's just so good to be here on what is official Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast and New York Giants fans UK meetup week, which I'm absolutely buzzing about. So, uh, can't we talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah,
3: absolutely. It absolutely it is, it's, it's, it's a big week, isn't it? It's one of the big weeks for us. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Um, But anybody that doesn't know, I've got an absolutely shafted shoulder at the moment and I've got a lovely MRI scan at quarter to eight in the morning uh, on Sunday. So it's going to be a long whole day for me, but um, I'm sure we'll have plenty of booze in the uh, in the evening that will sacrifice the painkillers. So I don't have to take those. Um, Yeah, it's been. It's been an interesting weekend. Um, It's strange because we've got so much to talk about and it's still a loss. Like, you know, sometimes we've had to flesh it out a little bit because we're so disappointed and don't want to, you know, put the, the dagger into the heart too much. But there's, there's a lot to get through this week.
1: Certainly is. And I mean, the fact that this isn't therapy session number four um, says a lot, I think, um, you know, so the start is a game we could have and probably should have won um the, you know the it was there for the taking unfortunately it didn't happen but there's a there's quite a lot of positives to come out of sunday i thought um so we'll, we'll get into them shortly as well now as kevin mentioned come up in just five short days time we'll all be making our way to the sports bar and grill at Marleybone station for our 1st meetup of the season alongside the New York Giants fans UK as we take on the Washington Commanders uh, on Sunday evening at 6pm. Uh, remember, if you plan on coming along, drop a comment on our ex-post. Don't forget to wear your legacy jersey either, as Kev will buy you a drink of your choosing. Uh, once you turn up, you'll be entered into a draw to win either some podcast merch or a voucher to use on usasports.co.uk. Now, don't forget to use our discount code, Big Blue to get yourself 15% off your order when you use that voucher or for any other purchases you make on that site as well. Remember that's 15% off uh, usasports.co.uk using the code BIGBLUE. All right, now producer Craig, we were on a little bit late. We've got a little bit of breaking news. So uh, what's going on? I love using that drop. It's so pointless, but I'd
3: absolutely love it. Um, right, so two signings, two signings to the uh, Giants squad uh, that have literally broke within the last 10 minutes um, as we were coming on air. Uh, first one came out uh, from the Schultz reports uh, that the New York Giants have signed offensive tackle Tyree Phillips from the Eagles practice squad. Uh, Phillips started five games for the Giants last season and was obviously heavily involved during the Preseason before he was cut and then subsequently signed to the Eagles practice squad. Uh, so it's nice to have him back. And then, mere minutes after that, Mike Garofalo said that the Giants are signing offensive tackle Josh Miles off the Falcons practice squad. Uh, Miles was a seventh round pick of the Cardinals back in 2019 and has appeared in 17 games over three seasons with them. However, I don't think he's taken that many snaps. I think it's only sort of 26 to 29 snaps. To 17 games but not not a massive snap count um any thoughts on those boys um nice to have fiery phillips back.
0: yes i'll go then i was sort of waiting there for the two big boys to go shane and uh <laughs> and uh dan but um i mean it is good i think he's got experience he knows the offense he's got the familiarity with the offensive line players as well um when he came in last season he more than held his own um and with andrew Thomas's sort of the injury nagging and sort of like um, drawing um being drawn out and being longer than we anyone anticipated uh, i think he'll definitely come in and sort of either um co- get cover for the tackle spot on both sides but push to start while um andrew thomas gets himself full co- recovery
1: yeah i mean i i didn't answer then because i thought okay craig, uh, craig said what do you reckon about that kev but that's maybe that's just me <laughs> hearing things um <laughs> To be honest, to, you know we we know Tyree Phillips. He you filled in well last year, um, and the other guy whose name eludes me already uh, shows how much attention playing. Um, Josh but, Miles, you know Josh Miles. There we go. Um, it just adds that little bit of depth onto the line that we're clearly struggling with. Now you mentioned that thing about Andrew Thomas with his injury, sort of recovery going on and on and on. Why wasn't he put on the injury reserve in the first place? If a new if a new's recovery was going to be at least four weeks, why didn't they just put him on IR? And then we could have brought someone in sooner, rather than waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting, wait. And now all of a sudden we're six weeks into the season, we've not got our starting left tackle, um, and he's still he's he's probably not going to be good to go this week. Um, looking likely to go against the Jets next weekend, but. Who knows? Yeah, it's sort of still up in the air a bit, so it's a little, little bit of a concern as to why he wasn't put on the IR. But yeah, two good additions to the offensive line. Uh, I think we need them. Uh, need that depth for sure. Um, so yeah, can't can't complain really. What do you reckon, Shane?
2: Yeah, I think the um, Tory Phillips one. It's kind of been a case of like, what's what's took so long? Really, I mean, you think that the, he knows the system. He plays a position we are struggling with i mean you know evan nils had his struggles and he's a player who when he played last season at times he did okay look like, i'm not gonna say he impressed but like you know he he, he was serviceable so um you know much suppose it took so long for the the, the issue to happen with um, Azudu, which kind of begs the question is it going to be a case of is Torrey Phillips coming in for depth or is he coming in to play that left tackle so Justin Pugh can go back to playing the, the guard position? That'll be interesting and one to watch. Um, and Josh Miles, you know, he was a 7th range draft pick out of Morgan State Bears. I know kind of very little about him, only that he's played tackle in the NFL for his career. He's not one of these who's kind of been plugged in at guard and that. Um, but, you know, he's listed at uh, £325, six foot 5 So he's uh, a little bit bigger than me. So i be interested to see how he gets on. <laughs>
3: Just just a
1: little um, bit. I mean, you say Morgan State Bears. Yeah, that sounds like you've made
3: a name. That sounds like you've made a name up there, Shane. (laughs) So there's um there's another question just there. We might as well get to it now while we're talking offensive line. Um, do we wait and let Thomas sit the season to avoid any further worse damage? We're hardly contenders. That that is a Uh, bold question.
1: I think until I think until we do. If we do become contenders, then yeah, why not? Why make it worse? I wonder if
2: that's what they've been doing the last couple of weeks, to be honest. I was listening to talking giants a couple of weeks ago, and Justin made a good point saying it's a hamstring for an offensive lineman. Offensive linemen don't. Need hamstrings the way that you kind of pass rushes doing your wide receivers doing your running backs do. So, like, he kind of made the point of what if they I I can't, I don't want to quote him exactly, but he he was kind of alluding to the point of what if they're just shutting him down a little bit sooner and letting him fully repair. Like, let's say if we had a game, let's say we were playing the bills this past weekend and it was to get into the playoffs. Thomas plays that game hands down without a question. So you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe kind of see where we're at once we've got like the likes of the Washington Raiders, Jets games out of the way. If we're 7-1 and one then, 8-1, and one, whatever it might be, yeah, just shoot him down for the season. Why? You, you just paid him a large sum of money. He's a player who's had a couple of niggling injuries over the last couple of years. Why get him worse for no reason whatsoever, for no benefit?
0: I think um, I wouldn't shut him down for the season because I still think he needs to play. I mean, I would... Keep him off until he, you're 100% satisfied that he, he is good to go and he's 100%. I wouldn't rush him back. But I do think it's still such a long season. There's still so many long games ahead. And when Daniel Jones comes back, he still needs to protect him because he hasn't been protected that well, to be honest. Like, And he is by far the best lineman we have. So for the sake of Daniel Jones's uh, career and production and um, to stop him sort of seeing ghosts and have some confidence in his blind side, um, I'd bring Thomas back as soon as he is a hundred percent fit and you know that it's not gonna be a niggly injury for him.
3: Just um just before before we move on, just to sort of kind of touch on those two signings, I think those two signings are a direct impact of what's happened to Azudu as opposed to what's happening with Thomas. I think if they were a direct impact of the Thomas injury, we would have seen those signings made a lot earlier. And this is purely because Azudu limped off. And did not look in a good way at all. Um, so, evidently, no, we it was, it was kind
1: of a it was kind of a nothing injury as well, wasn't it? It, it didn't really look like anything really happened. It just sort of I think, I, think he, I
2: think he left in a walking boot as well. From I'm sure I read that yep. somewhere.
3: Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's obviously a direct impact from that, and the fact that clearly we just don't have anyone. I mean, we're gonna t- we're gonna get into it in a minute, but when the man who's supposed to be playing 25 snaps plays 77 snaps um, and ends up... In the with, wrong position. In, in the wrong position, a position he hasn't played since his rookie year where he didn't play a lot of. Um, I think there's a problem and they've obviously identified that.
0: But just to add to um, what the, you said there, Craig, like he, I know um, we haven't had the details of it yet, but they said at the time that Azul went out with turf toe and like, it depends on what type of grade of turf toe it is. Like If it's only a grade two straight in, um it could be two to four weeks we could be without him. if it's agreed three or more you know it could be done for two to six months so obviously we were still waiting on the um on the, the the prognosis and the actual like um full details of what's happening but if it is two to four weeks we still needed to bring in covers you're 100 right that this is more reactionary to that than the thomas injury
1: yeah for sure i mean you know, it will it will play out this week, and um, we'll see what happens. Sort of as the as the days go by, as we move close to the uh, to Sunday. But um, but yeah, it's uh, two good new new depth pieces on the offensive line. Go, Craig. Anything else? Any more breaking news?
3: No, but Bobby Skinner's just said we've now got eleven offensive linemen on the roster, and that doesn't include Justin Pugh. So someone's going to get cut or go into IR, and I think that's um that's a given.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah we'll uh we'll keep our eyes open for that if if any news of that comes through whilst we're on air. and if it does we'll uh, we'll bring it to you straight away right on to the game then um a game that like i said was there for the taking we it was frustrating but at the same time um unsurprising that we didn't come out of buffalo with the uh, with the win uh, a game that we should have won uh, daniel jones obviously was ruled out with his neck injury Um, so Tara Taylor got his revenge game and he got the start Uh, I don't know about you guys but I thought offensively we looked a bit more relaxed with him under centre and our defence played absolutely lights out and full credit to Wink and full credit to them uh, as a unit I just thought across the the 60 minutes of the game they were fantastic and that's what we really really need to see out of the defence but again the offence struggled to score points Um, producer Craig where do we lose the game? <laughs> I,
3: I don't think we lost the game. I think it was potentially cost, but um we'll get into that later. Uh the refs decided mm, that they weren't allowed <laughs> the refs decided that they weren't allowed to call two defensive uh pass interference back to back. Um so with no time on the clock, the Giants simply ran out of time, despite despite their great field position at the end of the game. Um, and unfortunately that now condemns the giants to a fourth straight loss, uh, as well as God knows how many quarters it's been since we last scored an offensive touchdown. Um, 12, 12. 12 there we go. Thank, thank you, Dan. Um, man alive. That's. Painful, that's depressing. It, it that's is depressing. Hard. It... <laughs> Th- three, four games. Uh, <laughs> ah, brilliant. Um, but there were positives. So, Kev, do you want to go through those? Give us, give us the rundown on the good things. And there, there were a fair few.
0: There were. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about the game holistically as well. But, like, just talking about some of the positive uh, takeaway from the game. I mean, it was a better performance from the offense, as Dan alluded to as well. You know, Tyro Taylor came in for the injured Daniel Jones. <clears throat> it was a, uh, his first start since December twenty one? Um, he completed two-thirds of his passes, you know, on Sunday. He went for 200 yards. Um, there was a few nice plays in there, especially two slot feeds uh, to Slayton. Uh, plus, obviously, with his elusiveness, he was able to escape a couple of sacks, you know, and turn them into positive plays. Um, and also speaking of Slayton, you know, and despite that one drop, which to be fair was, was a difficult pass, you know, the, it was a difficult one to bring in. Um, but it was makeable, so you kind of want to see your good players holding on to those, and the top receivers kind of bring those in, I think, um, you know, you, you know, you had those two nice catches on the feeds for 30-plus yards, so you, you like seeing that, you know, we don't really get many um, explosive plays, you know, it's normally a little bit of dink and dunk, and that was very much like this in this game as well. Um, you know, it wasn't all good for Taylor though, um, but um, I think Shane will cover some of that in the bad, so I'll leave that for him. Um But the massive offensive line you know uh, it was up and down i mean you know you have to give a massive shout out to justin Pugh. you know you know uh, especially with his intro which is actually fantastic if you haven't seen it just go and search for like you know you know as the names come up and they give their name and what college they went to and justin Pugh was just you know honest and straight up justin Pugh, straight off the couch (laughs) because we only signed him last week and for him to come in um, and play uh, left guard you know where he only was expecting to get 20 odd snaps was what he was expecting to get sort of eased into this game. And he was thrust into the game and played something like 60, 70 snaps. And also, after playing well at guard as well, he played, um he had a first couple of series, he, he looked like really good at guard and was like, okay, this is lovely. He's coming in, he's holding his own. Unfortunately, the incident of the Azudu, and he had to kick out to left tackle. You know, and the first couple of drives, you know, he was finding his feet. He got beat quite easily to begin with. But then I thought he really did find his feet and that was solid there and really, you know, give a really good showing of, showing of himself um i mean Wondell robinson had another good game you know he had went for eight receptions off eight targets for 62 yards you know at 7.8 yards per reception um and also darren waller you know he had a. you know no one was having a fantastic game uh, you know for offense but it's good to see positive signs and darren wall had a few nice pickups over the middle um and one of the highlights for me as well was was barclay seeing Barkley back you know he was you know, he had a impressive 93 yards rushing, you know, he had a couple of classic Barkley runs, you know, but there was some really nice pull blocking, you know, some of the guards were coming out, you know, shout out to Glowinski as well, you know, he had some really nice pulls, you know, sealed off his man. And even in some of the runs, Waller and Hyatt were doing some really nice blocking work for him as well, you know. To, so it was really good to see him sort of like, you know, pull off some, some decent yardage, you know, and show some potential. He was a little bit hesitant, you know, but that's going to be the case coming back from an injury. Um... But yeah, I mean, so those are kind of the positives that I pulled from it um, on the offensive side, you know. So there was some stuff there to sort of like some meat on the bones, you know, so hopefully something to go forward. Now, speaking about defence, speaking about defence, I mean, I think the defence has started to play gradually well in a few games recently. This isn't just like a one-off. I think, you know, uh, it was an absolute fantastic performance from the the defence. They pretty much did everything right. I think the only blemish on the night was uh, no sacks, but uh, they were pressuring so much. So, you know, sacks don't tell all the story, but if you're getting enough pressure where well, you're stopping the quarterback making good throw and getting an incomplete, all right, it's not a sack, but, you know, you, you're definitely doing your job. Um, they just pressured him all night, which was so good to see, um, especially against one of the best offenses in football. Uh, they, they held him to zero touchdowns in the first three quarters. Like, think about that. Like you got Diggs, you've got um, yeah, what's his name? The other wide receiver. Drawing a blank, Gabe, I don't Gabe, want to help. Gabe
3: Davies.
0: Gabe Davies. You know, you've got Kincaid Davis. and Knox, tight ends. Do you mean you? Know, this is a very good offense, and to hold them to no scores mm-hmm. at the first three quarters, I think, is phenomenal. Like if I said to you before that the Bills would only score fourteen points on the night, would you take that before the game? Like, of course you would. Like that. You know, it's a great uh, stand by them. Um, you know they didn't allow him time in the pocket. He sort of was moving around the pocket, but moving into trouble. Um, so you know and it affected a lot of his throws, and he wasn't able to get into rhythm. And that was all on Wink, and that was all on the defense. And they didn't necessarily rush. They didn't necessarily blitz that much. They just showed different types of pressures. Um, and a massive shout out as well to Bobby O. I mean Bobby O'Kerry. He. Um, yeah, the best game as a giant. He's been getting progressively better. Like, you know, I think as he's been getting better, the whole defense is getting better, I think. You know, with Steve Holtz saying, thought McFadden and McCarrickay starting looked like a strong pairing. And I 100% agree with that. Um, those two really, really stood out. And, you know, could we have something here as a, as a linebacker pairing? I mean, it's the best um, linebacker in play uh, that I've seen, to be honest, uh, like for, for, since supporting the giants. And I know multiple people have put on social media as the best linebacker in um game that you know they've seen since i know antonio pierce or someone like that um but you know what did he have he had um you know he had an interception he had was it uh nine tackles eight of them solo two tackles for loss a forced fumble um and again and then talking about michael mcfadden you know he returned this week after being injured you know he was heavily involved he had three pressures five tackles plus he was um was he he was on the fumbles caused by bobby o'kerke he was able to uh, get down there and pick up the fumbles and recover it and also he had an interception where bobby got his hand out you know got the ball popped up in the air and he came down with it so um those two working together i think you know if they could keep up this trajectory i think we could have a real good pairing here um and then let's talk about the rookie dionde banks you know he continues to be a lockdown corner you know He's come in as a first-round pick, and it's in this in this defense is so so hard because you're left on islands so much. But you know, he was targeted three times. Uh, Diggs was targeted three times. Uh, Banks had him in coverage and didn't get a single reception on him. Like, that's Stefan Diggs, one of the elite receivers in this league, and he's going toe to toe with him. It's just fantastic. Like um, someone else, I want to talk about. Cavon um, Thibodeau. You know, uh, he was a thorn in Allen's side all night. You know, and despite not getting a sack, he was just he was there with six pressures, all hurries. He and Dexter Lawrence, who had three pressures, were both, like, flustering Allen all evening. Like, it was really, really good to see getting sort of some sort of pressure. Again, it would be nice to get some sacks in that sack column, though. Um, but lastly, I just want to touch on the special teams as well. Um, We've got to give a shout-out to the Scottish duo. You know, Graham Gano, absolute money. You know, he's missed one or two, but, you know, he's is pretty much money. And Jamie Gillen, uh, you know, Gano made three of his attempts, you know, and then, um, Gillen punted four times with two inside their 20 and the best net average this season with 49.8 so I think Gillen was starting to see him coming into his and get comfortable with his and like softly punters and kickers as well people have to remember sometimes you don't see the best of them until their 30s and Gillen's only like 26 I think so he's still quite young and he's still got time to grow so so, kind of hope with uh, with Gano's mentorship that Gillen is starting to really find his feet now and start to be like a punter that that obviously the special teams think, uh, the special teams coach thinks he can be. But we come to the big one. I love this every week. You know, I know one week we didn't do it, but with a much better show in this week, and the positives are there for the game. We didn't win. I know we could have won, but so the players of the game. I want to know you guys as players of the game. I'll start with mine. You know, we all got to pick one. I went for Micah McFadden. I mean, I said all the stats before, you know, his five tackles, solo interception, his fumble recovery. They also had a um, 87.9 PFF grade, which is an excellent grade over there as well. So I just think, you know, he was all over the place. He was all over the place along with Bobby O. And, I, you know, I just really would love to see these two. I said it before. I'd love to see these two blossom into a um, into a, a real partnership now and a linebacker core we can uh, trust on. So over to Dan, who's your player of the game?
1: Uh, great pick in uh, Bobby O'Karrake there. Um, uh, Bobby O'Karrake, sorry, Michael McFadden. Um, I think, yeah, just want to second that. The uh, uh, Those two linebackers playing absolute lights out at the moment, so well done to them. Uh, my original pick was Bobby O'Karrake. Maybe that's what I was thinking, I don't know. Um, just an outstanding game from him. Um, his place in the PFF Team of the Week is well-deserved, uh, and I believe one of the other two have picked him maybe... Spoiler, um, but I've gone for Justin straight off the couch pew. Um, in what was his first game in a year since tearing his ACL, and first time since you know first game since returning to New York, um, he didn't set the world alight. Let's be honest, he didn't set the world alight. But the fact that he's been on the team for a week, he's been promoted from the practice squad, and then slots in as as starting left guard against one of the best offenses in uh, one of the best offenses and one of the best defenses in the league. In the Bills, you know they lead in the league in sacks, so his his task was pretty damn tough, right? Uh, the fact that he slotted in at that left guard spot was truly remarkable, I thought. And what makes it even more remarkable is the fact that, like you said, the first two series, Azudu's in at left tackle. He then goes uninjured, injured, and he then plays the rest of the game at left at left tackle and fills in for Azudu. Plays all seventy seven offensive snaps. He's played six snaps. In his pro career at left tackle before before this game and i thought he did uh it was absolutely stellar job granted he obviously gave up uh the sack and to he committed commit two false start penalties like quite soon after moving across this guy's he's he's still learning the cadence come on you know he's still you know he probably just guessing the snap count at, at, at times um and you don't forget as well you a uh, guard you, you're looking at, you're looking at the ball tackle you're not looking at, you're looking at the guy in front of you because you've got to set that edge and i just thought he just had an absolutely stellar game um like you said after he had that shaky start he settled in well helped the offense come within two plays of winning this game because we didn't have one chance to win this game we had two um had it not been for two very very questionable calls at the one yard line both in the first and second half um, so yeah justin hats off to you mate you had a fantastic game and uh, yeah my player of the game uh Craig who got your vote
3: i went for Wondale. um i know that kev went through through the stats earlier uh, you can see see them on screen but for all the listeners um eight targets eight receptions 62 yards 7.8 yards per reception one reason and one reason only did i uh, did um one dial, uh stand out for me and that was every time he got the ball, because he got the ball on a lot of short routes, which you would expect when you've got 62 yards on, on eight receptions. You know, they're never going to be massive plays. Every time he got the ball, regardless of whether he was facing towards the end zone or facing towards the quarterback, he always got a couple of extras. If it was him pushing himself backwards or making a cut and making a run. And that's what I want to see. I want to see players who aren't. And this isn't a knock on Paris Campbell, but he has done this a lot this season. Catch the ball for, to the floor. Like there's a time and a place when you wanna when you wanna secure the ball and make sure you definitely get the first down. And Wandale did this on one of his on one of his catches. You know, grab the ball down to the floor, get the first down. On we go. Absolutely fine with that. But when you're consistently looking at third and long, sometimes. The difference between going down and only picking up three, or maybe pushing yourself backwards and picking up six, is massive for an offense and it opens up the playbook so much more. So, I do think Wondell, the last two weeks has probably been our best offensive weapon by far. Um, and you know, this is his second year and he missed yeah, a massive week. chunk, mass, massive chunk of last season after he, after yeah, he ended missed, um, what, the 11 season. games. So,
1: 10, 10 games, eleven games,
3: so, and I just think, I just think he's horrifically overlooked in what's been a poor system, and it's just about time that we, you know, we kind of give him his flowers, as they say. Um, right, Shane, last up. Yeah, so just a quick one. I do want to mention. I I've seen on the um,
2: Twitter, it made me laugh about Justin Pugh saying, "Look what happens when you get an offensive lineman that's not coached by Bobby Johnson." comes in and actually performs quite well. I was like <laughs> fair point, fair point. Er. <laughs> um but yeah obviously last week I didn't pick a player of the game. I said that um, you know, I wasn't going to pick a player of the game until somebody performed to a level where I thought they deserved it. Bobby I was clearly listening to the podcast and I take no responsibility for his outstanding effort this past Sunday night. Um but you know I, I had to go with Bobby O. I love me a linebacker. Um and to be honest, like me and Kev, we watched the game um, on a chat like this um, together and both was surprising Bobby O and McFadden. Like we literally, like at one point it was kind of like, they are literally yin and yang, like Bobby O's doing all this and then McFadden's doing all the tidying up with like the formal recovering with the interception. <laughs> That's something that you can't, you, you, you don't just walk onto the field and do it. There's got to be some sort of like anticipation there, which was great to see. But, yeah, chemistry. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's what we missed, especially at the linebacker position over the last few years. Um, but, you know, Bobby O, for me, it was a real coming out game for him. I think he's steadily grown into his role, as Kev said, over the last few weeks. And he's becoming more familiar and comfortable now with Wink's system. And we started to see the Bobby O that we expected to, to be getting when we signed him in free agency back in March played all 61 defensive snaps that shows how important he was to the team he led the D with 11 tackles two of them were tackles for loss he had two passes defended one of the was tipped into the hands of McFadden as Kevin mentioned earlier on along with a forced fumble that he had which again McFadden was there to jump on uh, and he also had a QB hurry and this is going to be a shout out to the team in general, but also he had zero missed tackles. And as a team, we only had five all week. Now, when you think we've been seeing numbers like 15, 16 being put up, when you have five this week, that's a massive shout out to the, the defence in general. And it was, it was great to see the defence jump up the way they did. Um, but, you know, Bobby o, Bobby o had that much of a standout game. I've, I've heard rumours some people brought a jersey during the game for him. Like, I don't know how true that is, but, you know... That just shows
0: kind of game that he had. Uh, I I am so much of an impulse buyer. I'm there, we were talking about it, and I was I was at work, and I hope none of my managers are listening because I'm watching football on my shift with Shane. But but I was like, well, I'm getting it. I didn't know what legacy jersey to get, and I kind of wanted Bobby. We talked about it in the preseason, and that game was just sort of cemented for me. But I just want to give um, just a quick honorable mention, if you don't mind. I know this is non but can we just give a wee shout out to Jalen Hyatt as well? I mean. On four targets, he had three receptions for twenty-one yards, and that massive, crucial fourth down to keep that final drive alive. I mean, you could see, you could see on sort of like this game that they really were were going with Slayton, Hyatt, and Wondell Robinson. Now like, you can see that these are the receivers that they trust the most. They invested in. They drafted the two young lads and re-signed Slayton. Um, and I, I really hope these three can get some chemistry going and get some more targets because. Um, I think um, these three could be sort of like the future of of, of our wide receiving core.
3: There was a um, Shane. I don't know if you, if you watched the Giants Insider podcast that was released today. Um, I was actually halfway through listening to it earlier. I'm, I'm about ten minutes in. So that, there was something that they were kind of saying with Bobby O, where um, Chris was saying that he's been speaking to Bobby a lot in the locker room, and you know he he has mentioned a few times that. Um, Bobby's kind of turned around to him and said, look, I'm still learning the playbook. Like, I'm still learning how the, how I fit in this team. And I'm still kind of trying to figure out what I do when this person does this and, and, and everything like that. Uh, and even Chris was saying, like, this was the game. This was the game where it all kind of came together for, for Bobby. And this is exactly... Why we signed him, and there'll be a lot of a lot of people out there who don't know what Bobby can do. They don't know what a Akerake can do outside of the late hit on Jones last year and him being the best colt on the field last year when we beat them. They wouldn't have watched any of his tape from any from anything else. You know, most most fans will just see him on the pitch and and, and that's it. So I do think that despite me choosing Robinson. He he is the outstanding player, and as Dan rightly said, he's in the PFF team of the week. I think it's well deserved. Um, And another thing that that Chris and Jerry both said were, you know, this is potentially the best we have seen since. um, What did you say, Kevin? Antonio. Antonio Pierce. Yeah, Antonio Pierce. Pierce. They said it could even go back to um, Armstead. Armstead. So yeah, Jesse Jesse Jesse, Armstead. yeah, they said that that's probably the best performance they've seen from a Giants linebacker since then. And can we just as well say, like, I know we might talk about it later, but
0: what a BS call on that rough roughing the passer! That was a great quarterback hurry, and the mm. ref's just unbelievable call. I, I, I was so Shocker. unhappy when it was
1: called. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we'll come on. We'll come on to that later, Kev. But just lastly on the character <laughs> like he. It's been brewing for him this season, I think. And this, this, like like we said, right? this game was his breakout game. And one play for him stands out. That goal line stand, I think, where he tackled um, James Cook for, a, I think it was a one or two-yard loss, he just burst through the, 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 the offensive line. Him and Dexter Lawrence brought him down. And it was just a stellar, stellar, stellar play for a, a, a fantastic linebacker. And I'm so glad we got him on the squad. And I'm sure Wink is as well. Um, Shane? Unfortunately, that means the uh, the bad is with you. What went wrong? Yeah, so here we go.
2: <laughs> as much as we um, we had the good stuff, we, we were talking about the bad stuff.
1: Yeah, back, relax, and enjoy.
2: Yeah, just you know, you get to this small Dorset tones for about five or ten minutes. Lucky you guys. Um, you know, it was another game without an offensive touchdown. Um, we've not had an offensive touchdown since week two against the Cardinals, which you know. For any offense, he's shite. For a for, for an offense in the year twenty twenty three, he's even worse. Um, but you know, when you look at the opportunity that we did have, it just makes it kind of ten times worse. And We had five trips to the red zone against the uh, the Bills, however, only walked away with nine points from three field goals. Um, the last trip we'll get into kind of a little bit later on, but the first one was arguably the worst of the two from an offensive standpoint standpoint, sorry. So from what Dave's has said, the, the play that uh, Torrod was given was a play action, which to me makes sense. You know, you fight the handoff to the Saquon, the Bills D is going to hopefully bite down on it. And then you've got people opening the end zone. for whatever stupid, ridiculous reason, Torad thought, I know better, and I'm going to call an audible um at the line of scrimmage and hand the ball to Saquon. Which we're going to come on to in a second on some of what I've noticed on tape. Now, on one hand, handing the ball to um, twenty six at the one yard line is normally fine. You know, most would say you get the ball into the hands of your best player, but not when there's fourteen seconds on the left on the clock with no timeouts, um, and more so when you've brought the likes of Darren Waller in and you've drafted Jalen Hyatt and Wondell and Slayton to target. You know, you've got to look at throwing there. If there's nothing open, you throw it away. You don't. The first thing you're told is don't take a sack. That is the first thing he would have been told. Do not take a sack. And to be honest, he shouldn't even need to be told. He should know better. He's a seasoned veteran at the end of the day. You know, I'll be honest, if Daniel Jones did this, he would have been absolutely slaughtered over it. Let's be honest. He, he 100% would have. So, you know, was not, um not protected from any criticism. But you know, you throw it away, stop the clock, and you can reassess it. It gives the coaches then as well time to sort of work out okay, what's the Bill's D do? You know, this is a Bills D that's leading the league in sacks. So you, you know they're probably going to send a couple of things to you that you might not be expecting. So you've got like say what two, even three attempts. Um, but also if you watch that play back, so it's it's first, um, was it first and goal? I can't remember, but whatever it was, it was from the one-yard line. But when you watch the game back. Because of the way the play develops, Saquon gets the ball at the five-yard line. So Saquon's not got one yard to get. <clears throat> Excuse me. Saquon's actually got five yards to get, which is a big ask when you think about it. You know, five yards to get. And me and Kev, as I said, we were watching it. And straight away, before the play that snap happened, me and Kev said, this is a run. Now, if two British lads at three in the morning or two in the morning can work out that it's a run play, Irish. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if... if if two lads at two in the morning can work it, it's going to be a run play that are on the other side of the pond, then what do you think the Bills D are going to do? that? They know it's going to be a run play as well. So, you know, throwing the fact that it was from the five-yard line makes it even worse. But, you know, Tyrod said he thought he could get up and spike the ball before the half. Okay, that's fair enough. But there was zero urgency. There was absolute no urgency to get up and, and, and clock that ball to, to stop the clock running. Um and you know, you could obviously see as well that Brian Divel was clearly pissed off at Tyrod Tyler as they were sort of walking down the uh, down towards the tunnel at, uh, at half time. <clears throat> so that's the, the bad on the offense side of the ball. Now defensively, there was like I said, there was some great stuff. It's probably the best we've seen this day perform this season, hands down however. We still can't defend the run, and for a team that supposedly made loads of signings in in off season to focus on the run, bringing in the likes of uh, Rakeem Nunes, roches and Ashon Robinson, you know, it, it looks like probably even looks even worse than it was. In all honesty, um, you know, against the run, the giant's, Defense front was shocking. Um, Dexter Lawrence, he was missed massively. Me and Kev both noted it that when he was out, there was one particular play. I don't know if Kev can record it, but they ran it, and I think they got about six and a half yards. The very next play, Dexter was in and it was shut down for about maybe maybe two. So, you know, we we don't want to keep relying on Dex, but it seems like that's what we are doing, and I just don't get where the this supposed better run defense was to come in. Um, You know, the Bills ended the night with 128 yards on the ground at 4.7 yards per attempt. That's not an improved run D, in my opinion. Um, And then the other main gripe of the the penalties that we had, there was a few that was a little bit dubious. We had 13 on the night. Five of them were declined. Uh, But we're going to ignore the three that were called on Dexter, Lawrence, Leonard Williams, and Kayvon, Thibodeau. But although this is the bad section... That deserves to be in the good section. For weeks, I've been saying, I want to see some fight from this team. Fight, fight, fight. I want to to see some passion. I want to see some dedication. And when Dex comes in and just wipes that offensive tackle out, you see the offensive tackle walking off the field, shaking his head. He's saying, shit, I ain't doing that again. Like, that's what I've been asking for. And, you know... I I I just got my ass handed to me. Yeah. And, you know, it it wasn't just Dex. It was like, you know, what you watch the play back. You've got, um, I think it's no, Deontay no. He's trying to pull Thibodeau out of it. Then you've mm. got uh, Leo Williams involved. Bobby Akerike is there, and Josh Allen comes and tries to have it off with him, um, which, you know, <laughs> fair play to Josh Allen. But, you know, it's, just, it's, just, it's just something He's
0: got asking. some minerals on him, isn't he?
2: <laughs> it's just
0: but something
1: that the, the, uh, the guy but, that was over Thibodeau, though, you didn't see, you didn't see, like, because the camera panned away, but. After the camera panned away, he absolutely launched like he put like pushed his foot into him and absolutely launched him like five yards away from him. And he went flying back and landed on his back. Um, the um, I mean, I t- the, the guy that was st- that stood over Thibodeau, pretty much like trying to beat down on him, I thought should have been ejected from the game because you're taking you're taking advantage of a defenseless person on the ground there. Sorry, did you
3: did you see um, speaking of taking advantage of a defenseless person on the ground, did you see Leo Williams uh pull his punch? So as he's pushed, as he's pushed, whoever it is, he's over him like this. And I was <laughs> like, oh, Leo, don't, come on, son. <laughs> and then he, and then he goes, it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just walks off like, whoops. <laughs> but yeah,
2: but you know, that's... the last thing I'll, I'll say is like, if it's me, if I'm, I'm either Brian Diable or I'm Bobby Johnson or I'm, I can't remember our D-line's coach uh, now, mm. I'm getting them two groups together. And I'm, I'm saying to the D-line, these these fuckers how out fight, because none of the old line have got any fight in them, and that's what—that's just the one thing I want to say. I don't want to see ejections. Don't get me wrong. I just want to see protection. Like a few, was it week one or week two when um, was it DJ Davidson got absolutely wiped out, and nobody did anything. And it's kind of like the—it's kind of like the D of That personally, so, um, I don't know if I said it, but I kind of felt like it was okay. So that happened in a game again this season.
3: We've got each other's back, and that what was great to see. There was there was a couple of plays where there were offensive players who were who were um, doing it, and I, I just want to give a shout out to Glawinski on this. So there was the play where Barkley I think got blown up on a on a run, and he was on the floor, you know, slamming his hands down. He wasn't happy, um, and Glawinski kind of went over, picked him up. But there was also a play where one of the Bills was getting a bit chippy with Bredesen, and Glawinski got in there straight away, pushed him, pushed him away from Bredesen, and just kind of walked Bredesen away. Um and that 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 is what we're looking for. Now obviously Griminski's not doing it on the same level as what the three defensive players did, but there there was a little hint of kind of pride in each other. And I just want to see that grow. And that will be something that, that Pew will pick up on and try and instill in the in the offense that they just need to have a bit of pride in their work and just you know, just 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 stand up for each other. Get nasty if you need like you said, get nasty if you need to, but there's a line just be careful
2: yeah, of we're not to try to get ejected and start throwing punches and you know doing it in eric canton kicks and everything but you just want to see that kind of i mean action, I'm all for my guy get away from my guy i'm
1: i'm i'm all for i'm all for eric canton come on yeah <laughs> let's do it yeah, but yeah
0: you do you think that's got something to do with the fact that like our own lines been so chopped and changed all season like you know it'd be so nice to get a run of games with the same five like playing together
2: yeah, it, looks like it was just nice to just just finally see. But sort of wrapping up the, the bad, um, obviously, Tyra Taylor, he's appeared in the good section and the bad sections um, from what we've discussed. Overall, it was an improvement. So, Dan, I'll fire this way, your, your way first, then we'll get Craig and then Kev. But I know it's a conversation we've kind of loosely had in our group chat. How would you feel about Tyra taking over long-term if Daniel Jones is also out longer than what we... Maybe
1: anticipate. I think, like I said at the start, I think the offense just looked a bit, a bit calmer and a bit sort of more relaxed, and just like with the with the fight on the offensive line, you know, sort of almost like it was a more cohesive unit with Tyrod on the center. I mean, I don't know if that was just me or not. I don't know, but I just thought it just looked a bit more of a... a, a I don't know. It just. Everything sort of seemed, seemed to go quite well and gelled. Oh, granted, we didn't score many points, but just seemed to sort of gel a bit more. And, you know, I think until DJ is fully healthy, and I mean, who knows how long that's going to take, um, you, know, you you don't want to risk putting him in there with a neck injury and potentially making it even worse, um, especially with, obviously, the struggles we've had on the O-line. So there's no harm in starting tie rods for the next... You know, two, three, four, five weeks. You know, even even longer. You know, if it means uh, Dan Jones going on IR for four weeks just to rest and recuperate, then so be it. Because Tyrod is absolutely serviceable, and we saw that yes on Sunday. You know, he's he didn't have the best game, but he's he's passed over. He's passed for two hundred yards, um, and he just. He, he wasn't scared to to throw the deep ball either, which I was quite surprised. Not surprised by, but I was quite happy with the fact that he wasn't scared to throw a deep ball every now and again. Um, because, you know, this is what it's what this team needs. It's what this um It's what this offense needs. We need to start scoring points. Um, and the only way you're gonna start scoring points is by, you know, chunk plays. You know, we've 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 seen far too many of them against us this season so far, so we need to start getting some of those chunk plays. On our offense and not this just dink dunk dink dunk you know two three four five yards of reception you know you know let's get a 20 30 40 50 yard reception and i don't think tyrod's scared to do that so yeah i don't see i don't see the problem starting tyrod for the next few weeks to be honest
3: i i, I agree and and you know i've got a i've got to hold my hands up that the joys of a podcast is that somebody can go back and watch previous podcasts and see what we say about people and then come onto it. And I'm more than happy to turn around and say um, that I, I was wrong. Um Last week I said that I wasn't overly enamored with having Tyrod in there. I think he's a bit of a maverick. I still think he's a bit of a maverick. Maybe the tendencies that he showed when he stepped into for DJ in previous times are more of a, excitement to play that he didn't have because he knew he was starting and knew that he was likely to get the entire game as long as he didn't injure himself and maybe that took took a point there as well so um yeah i'll hold my hand up tyrod played very very well uh it wasn't perfect i think there was something that was shared into the group chat earlier that was um kind of like a twitter thread from anthony Rivaldo, uh, and there was just one thing on there that kind of stood out to me um i think it was one of like one of the last few comments he made that was like daniel jones is the better quarterback with a higher ceiling if he had a great offensive line and elite playmakers but tyrod is better suited to the system we are currently playing because he sees the field well while pressured and gets the ball out of his hands quick and that's it that that that's exactly it i think I do think Jones is a much better quarterback than Tyrod. I just think situationally, Tyrod's kind of what we need right now until we can get an offensive line that's settled. And I am not risking Daniel Jones behind an offensive line that's not settled because we've seen what can happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you think like you know, he looked he looked a lot. Cal- one one point once, but he he looked a lot calmer under pressure. He was pressured the same amount as Daniel Jones was. You know, look at the stats and it was, what, 46% Daniel Jones been pressured on his on his dropbacks. Tara Taylor's dropped, uh, pressured on 43% of his dropbacks. So he's still being pressured on the same amount of dropbacks. But he just looked a lot calmer and a lot more sort of calculated and just not in any sort of panic. Whereas, you know, DJ's looks you know, like, like a completely different player compared to what he was last year. Um, but... One thing I want to add as well, Dave's made it clear in his presser that DJ, when he is healthy, is 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 the starter. And I completely get it. We're paying paying him forty million dollars a year. And the owners won't be happy to see him sitting on the bench if they're paying him that much money. So I, I completely get that. But what this does prove is that we don't need to rush DJ back as we've got that experienced backup that yeah, he might not win us every game, and he might not set the world on fire. But hopefully, Touchwood, you know, got Washington coming up this weekend. Hopefully, we actually score some points, and we can actually hope maybe even get a win as well. Um, so, you know, what do you reckon, Kev?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, this is one of the reasons why we signed him, and why he's one of the better paid backups in this league. You know, if you see some of the backup play, uh, backup quarterback play in this league, it's atrocious. It's awful. I think, like, you know, um, Tyro comes in, He sort of like, you know, he, he, he uh, excels in chaos. He loves a bit of chaos. He's able to move around, um, extend plays. Um, but also, I think one of the big things is I think Daniel Jones, with that offensive line, played with fear. I think Tyra Taylor comes in and plays without fear. He plays fear as he just comes in. He's a savvy vet. And um, I think, you know, Daniel Jones is by far the starter, obviously. Like, you know, if we can get an O-line settled... Um, then you know Daniel Jones will be the better player. I kind of hope this type of game shows Daniel Jones. Look, just go out and play your game as well. You know, just go out. You know, the offensive line is not going to be perfect, but look what Ty- Tyro was able to get a, a bit of a functional um, functioning offense. That you can do that too. Um so you know, will he will he will he start ahead of Jones if Jones is fit? No. Is it good to have him in because he kind of gives you a chance? Because that's what he did at the weekend. You know, and something that he gave us a chance. To be in a game. It was in our hands to win that game. And that's all you can ask for when you play a team like the Bills. Yep.
1: You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um the game was in our hands. Um, you know, it came down to that final drive. And, you know, we'll we'll kind of cover that in a minute. But yeah, I just think Tyrod, he's got his critics, but I I think for the time being, whilst Daniel James is injured, you know, we we're not gonna we're not. We're not going to complain about him in, in starting a game. I think you know why. Why risk DJ if he's if his neck's not right? So, right. We've heard the good. We've heard the
3: bad. What time does that make it? What the feagles? Indeed. I love that. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I love that.
2: <laughs> I
1: mean, who doesn't love Tom Coughlin, right? Uh, What the Feagles? And this week, unfortunately, for the second time this season, um, our What the Feagles section belongs to the men and women in black and white. That's the referees. Um, Firstly, Evan Neal Neal being flagged as an an ineligible receiver downfield, despite him pretty much being on the line of scrimmage um, as Tyrod threw that deep ball to Jalen Hyatt. I wouldn't catch that one. Oh, what a catch. And, you know, huge 43-yard gain, which would have put the Giants in Buffalo territory. However, the Giants went three and out. I mean, bullshit call number one. Uh, Next was the uh, disgraceful rough in the passer call on Bobby Okereke, which you mentioned earlier, Kev. A few plays before the uh, interception in the second half. I'm still really not sure what the ref saw his hands were high but he didn't touch Allen in the head and even um Terry McCauley on NBC their um their rules analyst and 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 rules analyst um said it it wasn't roughing the passer like it was never a roughing the passer call so why that was flagged I don't know bullshit call number 2 and then lastly I mean ending the game the final play Tyrod passes to T- Darren Waller in the end zone Defensive pass interference called on Terrell Bernard. Right, cool. Was DPI? Never, never doubt. We then get the untimed down to end the game. So we get an extra play. We get the free play. We're thinking we're going to win the game on the last play of the game. Get in. Tyrod looks for Waller in the end zone, and his jersey is being held so much he was pretty much undressed before he got in the end zone, and then the ball goes up in the air and his and oh, what was it, uh, was it Taron Johnson the cornerback um for the Bills Good player. His, his arms are all he's a great player but his his arms are all up in his face um and i mean how that wasn't defensive pass interference i do not know um because his, his, you know he was holding on to um, Darren Waller's arm it was so blatant that i think it came down to the fact that they don't call two in a row, you know, and that comes obviously came from the beat writers, and unfortunately, it seems true. But when it's Can I just... so blatantly obvious and it affects the result of the final, the game on, on the final play, it's absolute bullshit. What were you going to say, Kev?
0: Just going to say, I can't call BS on that. This sort of narrative of oh, you're never going to get two in a row called, but if it's if it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, if the ball crosses the play, breaks the plea in, they're not going to go, Well, you scored a touchdown last drive, so we won't give you this one. Do you know what I mean? It's like just because, just because you got one before, should, should you, next play, next play mentality move on. And that goes for players and referees. Regardless of what happened on the previous play, you play that play, you watch that play, you referee that play like it's a brand new play, like nothing's happened in the past. So when when I hear this and I've heard it in every single outlet I've seen it in beat writers, I've heard it in podcasts, I've seen it on Twitter saying, "Oh, well, you know, they're, they're never going to get the second. Why? I don't I Why really don't not? understand. Exactly. This. So like what culture is this when you can what culture is when you can accept inept awful officiating like that bordering on cheating? Like so I just it's, don't like,
1: understand it's, it. It's, if if we if we you know put that in terms of, of our football, say you know a, a defender fouls a striker in the in the penalty box goes down, stonewall penalty gets given. Five minutes later, exact same tackle, and it's not given. That would never never ever ever happen. If it's a, if it's a penalty, it's a penalty. So why this happens in in the NFL, I do not know. I mean. Jamie and Steve, you both make fantastic points. Steve, the comment was off screen. God forbid the NFL have the Bills, Eagles, and Niners leave on the same day. Now, if this is the Kansas, if this is the Kansas City Chiefs, and if this is Patrick Mahomes passing to Travis Kelsey to win the game. Oh, it's called. It's, 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 it's called every single fucking time. Every time. Um, so bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Um Oh, what's his, what was the referee's name? Tony Mikulak, I think his name was. Um, you and your crew. What the was man, because that was a fucking awful call. Um, there has been a lot of focus on it. So what, what are you... I mean, Kev, you've given your opinion. Shane, what do you reckon? What do you think about it?
2: Um, I've got opinion. Like, it is what it is. The Giants didn't lose this game because of calls. That, that people can argue about the ref, but it wasn't because of the ref, you know, the refs had nothing to do with Tyra calling the audible. The refs had nothing to do with, you know, he's not been called out on it that I've really heard of, but Brian Dable's piss poor game management at times during Sunday night, you know, he, he, we, we opted to, um, do did we, did we kick the field goal on? I think we're on fourth and inches in the Bills end, and we, we went for the field goal, I think. And it was like, that's a fourth down play all day long. You know, leading up to the the incident that happened at the at half time with um, the, the the failed one yard attempt, we used our timeouts really poorly. I mean, there was even a shot at one point where the camera cuts to the Brian Dayball, the play clock's running down, and I think he wait. I can't remember. I think he waits till there's thirty seconds left on the play clock before calling the timeout. Like, that's not the ref's fault that we didn't have that urgency. And then the one that really annoyed me and Kev because we spoke about it whilst we were watching, we had to call a timeout. And then we were this close to having a delay of game out of a timeout, but we actually had illegal movement on one day, I think it was. Again, our game management was really, really bad, and our clock management was really, really poor. So, you know, yeah, the end call, was it bullshit? Yeah, it was. But the rough in the passer call. but there was two flags on that play, and called our flock, got done for hands to the face. So either way, we were giving up 15 yards, no matter what, because if you don't want to call the rough in the passer. Called half lots getting done for hands to the face, so there's a penalty there. Irrespective, it, it doesn't matter. And um, for me, I just think that we didn't lose this game because of the rest. Yeah, there were some poor decisions, but you know what? You could maybe say we got away with a couple early on as well, a couple of pass interferences. I know there was one where it was clearly they're uh, just to coming together, but there was—I think there was one very early on, probably being called against us. It happened yeah, f-
1: with it was Deontay Banks,
3: wasn't Banks. it? Yeah. yeah, Banks.
2: Yeah. So you know, it's just unfortunate for us that uh, the <laughs> one we had was at the very end of the game when there was no time left. But it oh. is what it is at the end of the game for me. I don't. Think I know,
0: but we need a win so bad,
2: Sheen. like so, so
1: that's bad. That's the thing. That's the thing. At this point in time, you take <laughs> your. Ta- if you can, is, we need to Take a win bad. anyway.
2: We're not going to look yeah. back and go, "No, nah, you know what? We might have been Super Bowl bound if we'd have had that play against that
0: I know, but a win's better than a loss. Come
2: on. Oh, 100%. But just for me, we didn't lose because of the refs, in my opinion. Like, I know, they, but you they can still be win. pissed at it. Oh, yeah, you can be pissed at it. But, you <laughs> know, I've heard people saying, oh, we lost because of the refs. No, no we didn't. So no. we, didn't. we lost because of that. I
0: mean, yeah. I agree with so you good, actually. Waller yeah. would have come down with
3: that ball, I reckon. I, that, Waller I mean, would've... that's
1: the reason we brought him in.
3: Walla would have come down. I think as well if you actually think about it, if the ball was slightly lower, he definitely catches it it didn't, yeah. to be, it didn't have to be that high. I know you're putting it that high because you've bought you know you've you've signed Waller to make those kind of catches up high you know his height kind of plays into that a little bit, but you could have you could have thrown it lower and I think he probably curtails it in. There's a distinct difference between sort of way up high and maybe trying to one hand something more in, sort of in line with where the head is. Um, but I, I you know, I am I am in agreement with what Shane's saying. Um what did Dable say at the end? You don't get trophies for trying. Yeah. You don't you don't you don't get you don't get trophies for trying. It and felt like
2: during that game, we were playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Whereas last year we were going into games and we were playing to win the fourth day and calls and that. And I just, I don't know, I, I don't know what it is, whether it's there's no confidence in the offence at the minute, but it just feels like, especially on Sunday night, we played not to lose rather than playing to win the game.
3: Yeah. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, there was something that, I'm, I'm going to go back to Giants Insider, but you know, Biz just makes the best points and it kind of just makes sense. In training camp, do you remember we saw all of these Waller dummy, Bellinger sneak out kind of routes? If we run that on that last play, we get a touchdown. Mm. That's exactly what Chris said and I I have to agree with it. If you run that play, nobody's looking for Bellinger. Everyone's looking at, at, at Waller. And you could see that this Bills defense were biting on certain things from play one I'm going to take it all the way back to play one. But the first offensive play we ran, but it was a fake handoff to Barkley. The defence all went Barkley's way. Just every single person went Barkley's way. So it was obvious that the Bills were looking for the playmakers. And if Kafka was, I don't want to say smarter, but just more savvy in the moment, he could have quite Ballsy. easily... Or Ballsy, yeah, is a good word for it. He could have easily you know, found something that potentially was better than, oh, Waller, contested catch at the back.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, as disappointing as it was, and as, as you know, brightly so, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, we were robbed on that last play. Like, I agree with what you're saying, Shane. You know, we we should have won that game before that last play. They shouldn't have come down to that last play. Um, and for me, like the the biggest mess up was on the last player of the first half. Um, you know, we're not going to go into it anymore because we already covered it. But that alone is you just got to look at what happened there. And then for when for the for then coach to start berating Tyrod as they're walking down the sideline, I thought that was a little bit out of order. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, um, <laughs> granted, <laughs> obviously, you
3: know, just shaking my head. Gr- I, I get it. I get why Dable's done I, it because you I get just it. but if, but if I think I think there's a distinct difference between don't berate your quarterback until it's closed doors and your quarterback has just called an audible and an absolute shocking decision when you run the well, ball, when you don't run the ball.
1: But was that but was that one of the plays that was given to him in this helmet, or was that a full on audible like he's made that decision he's admitted he's it. to
3: play at the line? It, no, Tyrod's admitted it that he completely changed the play to a run play it was supposed to be a pass. He called an audible. Okay, fair enough. And that's a rookie mistake, let's be honest.
1: Yeah, it is. Um but I mean you have the to fact score that Yeah, the fact that Dave's are so pissed coming <laughs> off at halftime that he doesn't even give a comment to uh the sideline reporter as well is uh, is kind of goes to show that he was uh, wasn't very happy about
3: that. I think right. Tynes, Tynes Pope, Pope put a post up saying, God forbid someone shouts at you as you're coming off the sideline and put a video up of Coughlin yeah, scream, screaming that. at him. Um, And Brandon Jacobs commented on it as well. Uh, I think he was saying what, what Coughlin was probably saying to Tynes. But uh-huh. you know, I think a lot of the players are just like, yeah, you take it. You just take it. I think that yeah. there there is a distinct difference between obviously what a player would think about something like this and what we as fans think about it because there's a very distinct difference about what's going on. Um, True. I've got a bonus one. I know we'll it's already ahead. an hour, an hour and five minutes in, but um, we're, so we're tr- we're trying to keep it quick. Um, thank you to everyone who's kind of sticking with us throughout all of this. Um, we know it's a long one. Um, and, you know, the comments are going crazy. So thank you for that as well. Trade deadline is two weeks today. Um, who is the most likely to be traded if the Giants start dealing assets, Shane? Um, this
2: follows the same topic. I've just seen that Ryan Dunlevy's tweeted some out. Um, nothing too urgent or anything. But Bayes just said that um, at the uh, owners' meeting uh, today, Mara and Tish didn't talk at all. He says an unidentified man, he's never seen him around the giants, um, ushered Mara to the meetings and said to reporters, what do you guys have to talk about? And apparently the unidentified man ushering the unidentified man ushering John Mara away was the 49ers owner. So are they maybe having a little chat about, you know, who is this guy available? Is that guy available? So it just shows that, you know, kind of the the teams are very well having these conversations, even as as we chat about it. Um, But I think for me, I'm probably going for a little bit of a surprising, surprising one, but not surprising. uh, It's not surprising because he's been shit, but maybe surprising because there's other options. But I'm going for Darnay Holmes. um, You know, he's someone who took a pay cut to stay on the team. Um, I don't don't know why, because he's doing nothing. Um, He's just or to wank at them, I mean, let's be honest with you. I mean, there was a noticeable improvement for me when <coughs> this past weekend. Um, so for me, I'd, I'd be looking at Darnay Holmes. Hopefully, he can maybe get a third-round pick, which is what we got for him. Probably more like a fifth or sixth, though. Uh,
1: Dan? Darnay Holmes is a good shout. Um, I mean, another defensive back who's not really done much this season. Adore Jackson. There you go, Jamie. Me and you on the same wavelength. What's he done? Uh, He's to... you... <laughs>
2: Say again. I thought you were going to get McKinney when you said a defensive back. <laughs> done nothing.
1: I mean, him as well. You know those those two. You know they're they're both defensive captains. Well, you need to prove that you're a captain, and uh, so far you've both been pretty damn awful. So I mean, yeah, I think. For me, Adoree, closely followed by McKinney. Kev.
0: I'm gonna keep this nice and short because I know Steve's got a flight to New Torque in the morning. So uh <laughs> New Torque. <laughs> New torque so and go. white baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I go uh, Paris Campbell. He was my darling in the off season and I love the acquisition. But it just hasn't really done much this, this season. Like um I think she was it, uh, Craig said earlier, you know, he catches the ball and drops to the floor instead of fighting for those extra yards. I mean his snap count, Shane got me some details earlier, has gone from forty-seven, forty-five, twenty-one, twenty-three, sixteen, and zero this past week. So he's obviously not in the plans. So do you try and ship him for a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick or something?
3: So um I, I, I've, I hate to say this because I'm probably going to end up wearing his legacy jersey <laughs> at the weekend, but it's the only legacy jersey I've got. Um, there you go. Big cat, Leonard Williams, as Jamie said. Um, I think in order to do it, we'd have to swallow a lot of money. Um, but potentially that that might be the way the cookie crumbles. Um, Jordan Riley pute- could, could jump in. We do have... Robinson and Nacho, who potentially could jump in as well, might just need to, like a karaoke, just to get a few more kind of reps just to get used to the cadence and get used to everything on the defence. So it's a possibility. There was one thing that I saw kind of doing the rounds on Twitter earlier that I'm not a fan of, which was Slayton to the Chiefs. I'm not a fan of that at all. Um, Paris Campbell
0: to the Chiefs now.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Steve, Steve's just said something, and I'm going to upset Shane.
0: Oh, the thing is, lads, just quickly as well. Like, we've got nah. two games between now and the deadline. That's the, the the Washington Commanders and the New York Jets. Now we have to. I win think. Those yeah, I think we, we have, have to build those games. And but if God forbid we end up losing those games, or. Like, or winning one and losing one, then you might see some of these players move, um, especially if we lose two games. Um, you've got a couple of days before the, the window um, closes, and um, yeah, you might see some changes.
1: I mean, I'm sure Shane won't be too disheartened if uh, if Paris Campbell goes because, you know, that means the number zero is off our roster, right? <laughs> Happy days. Oh, yeah. If not, well, you're on. not commenting on this. Yeah, get rid of number zero. Get rid of number zero. All right, Steve, we know you've got a flight to catch. So we're going to wrap it up. Unfortunately, that is all we've got time for this evening. Uh, we'll be back at the same time on Thursday evening as we preview our Week 7 clash with the Commanders in our first Legacy game of the season. So make sure you tune in then 8.30 on Thursday evening. Anything else to add before we go, guys? No, just, uh, you
2: know, great chatting tonight um obviously we'll be back talking about Washington some more and obviously our meetup which we you know all four of us are going to be there all fours are looking forward to
0: yeah fantastic like let's just uh, put this behind us now we move on to the next week we'll have a chat about the game and uh, very much looking forward to the meetup
3: yeah, absolutely. Um, can't wait for that. That's going to be really good. Uh, we've got some really good numbers now. Um, people are really starting to get interested in it. Um, the bar uh, allowing us to hopefully decorate the place accordingly. Um, and it's going to be a good, good, good game against two sides who aren't doing as well. Um, and we, you know, We'll go through that. Hopefully on Thursday night and we can see what we think. Um, Steve's put, have a great weekend, lads. Steve, enjoy the game as much as you can. I know you're out there for it. So make sure you enjoy it as much as you possibly can. And if you could return with a W, that'd be great. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) It would be fantastic. Yeah. Happy 40th, Steve. Hope you had a great, have a great weekend at MetLife. Um, Enjoy the game. And for sure let's hope we come back with that dub um i know there's a couple of questions asked by steve and jamie earlier on the pod we um apologize you haven't got to them we're an hour and 10 minutes in so we're a bit wary of the time but um we'll pop them up on our on our twitter page we'll answer those questions for you on there um if you haven't already subscribed to the youtube channel hit the bell to get the latest notifications and updates of all when we're going all the Okay, all the times we go live, uh, check out usasports.co.uk, use the code BigBlue to get 15% off, as I said earlier, and head over to our Etsy shop as well, etsy.com forward slash BigBlueUKIRL to get your hands on some podcast merch. This time last season, lads, we were 5-1 and one and, you know, doing really, really well. This season, we're 1-5 and five, and we're not doing so well. Uh, what a difference a year makes, eh? Um, my thanks as ever go to Shane, to and to producer Craig for joining me. And to the viewers and listeners for tuning in, we're signing off. Until next time, let's go Giants.